Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Sow a thought, reap a belief. Sow a belief, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a lifestyle. Sow a lifestyle, reap a destiny. What do we believe and why does it matter? Well, that's the theme that we're going to have over the next few weeks. Uh, What do we believe and why does it matter? And it's a little bit prompted by our new song, I Believe, the Creed. Um, And it matters what we believe because what we value most will determine our ultimate destiny. You know, if you want to change values, you have to change views. And uh, inside of, of us all is a craving, I believe, for knowledge, belonging, and purpose. Because God set that in our hearts. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says he has set eternity in their hearts, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. In other words, there's a craving for truth, belonging and purpose in each of us, but there's also a need to dig deep in order to discover God's will. Well, last week we saw that to be commissioned to go, we need, what are the three things? We need a revelation, a call, and a faith-filled plan. So to be commissioned to go and do things for him, we we need a revelation, a call, and a faithful plan. And we saw these three things in the call on Jeremiah's life in Jeremiah 1, 3 to to 10, if you weren't here and you missed it. But this week we're going to turn to Jeremiah 7 in a few minutes and hear of Judah's dilemma, being caught between false prophets on the one hand and the word of the Lord through Jeremiah on the other. Um, before we read this, uh, though, we, we, we need a little bit of a background. If you've got those pictures of Abraham, guys, you can put those up. So God chose Abraham and his descendants to be those to whom he would display both his undeserved favor and his right ways or righteousness. And this chosen nation, this is a little bit of history, was to be both a shining light of how to live right with God and each other, but also to display how God's holiness was and his power was to save, protect, and to provide. So there was sort of this two-edged sword, both his care and his holiness and power. And so to be an influence on those around them, he gave the people of Israel three things. He gave them land, identity, and an inheritance. And if we break that down, it's really purpose, worth, and hope that he gave them. You know, from Genesis to Revelation, there's a thread of redemption running through Scripture that points to a God 
who is, that is seeking to rescue, save, and restore his creation, lost to sin, sickness, and death, in order to give purpose, worth, and hope. Those three things he gave Israel. Purpose, worth, and hope. And through all the years of slavery in Egypt, uh, his chosen people kept that hope alive. You know, they, they kind of had this inkling that something was going to turn up. They kept that hope alive in the middle of terrible, terrible oppression. And finally, God raised up Moses. This is a real quick run through the uh, Old Testament. And by killing a perfect lamb, Moses instructs them to sprinkle its blood over their doorposts. And they are spared tragedy as the angel of death passes over their homes. And um, next, they are all rescued as they pass over from certain death to life through the parting of the Red Sea. You can pop the next slide up, thanks. So <clears throat> there was a Passover. There was a promise. There was hope. And, um, just, you know, despite many, many miracles, many miracles, they finally, they doubted. They doubted. But they finally reached their promised land. God kept his promise and his side of the covenant he had made with his people as they enter the land. Now that's a quick version. Now, one of the very many promises that God made after King David, many years later, when, when King David's reign was about to end, there was a promise that there would always be a descendant of David ruling on David's throne. And this is important as we read from Jeremiah the prophet. By now the kingdom has split into two, Judah in the south and, and Israel in the north. And Jeremiah finds himself called to speak out against what's happening in Judah. Where so far a descendant of David had ruled. Some good, some not so good. So let's read uh, from this, this rather harsh word from, from Jeremiah 7. Jeremiah 7. But I am going to use the message version today. Very, very clear, crisp message here from, from Jeremiah. Jeremiah 7.1. The message from God to Jeremiah. Stand in the gate of God's temple and preach this message. Say, listen, all you people of Judah who come through these gates to worship God, God of the angel armies, Israel's God, has this to say to you. Clean up your act, the way you live, the things you do, so I can make my home with you in this place. Don't for a minute believe the lies being spoken here. This is God's temple, God's temple, God's temple. Total nonsense. Only if you clean up your act, the way you live, the way you do, the things you do, sorry, only if you do a total spring cleaning on the way you live and treat your neighbors, only if you quit exploiting the street people and orphans and widows, no longer taking advantage of innocent people on the, 
on this very site and no longer destroying your souls by using this temple as a front for other gods. Only then will I move into your neighborhood. Only then will this country I give your ancestors be your permanent home, my temple. Get smart. Your leaders are handing you a pack of lies and you're swallowing them. Use your heads. Do not think you can rob and murder, have sex with the neighborhood wives, tell lies nonstop, worship the local gods and buy every novel religious commodity on the market and then march into this temple, set apart for my worship and say, we're safe. Thinking that the place itself gives you a license to go on with all this outrageous sac sacrilege. A cave full of criminals. Do you think you can turn um, this temple set apart for my worship into something like that? Well, think again. I've got eyes in my head. I can see what's going on. God's decree. Take a trip down to the place that was once in Shiloh, where I met my people in the early days. Take a look at those ruins, what I did to it because of the evil ways of my people Israel. So now, because of the way you have lived and failed to listen, even though time and time again I took you aside and talked seriously with you, and because you refused to change when I called you to repent, I'm going to do this to do to this temple, set aside for my worship, this place you think is going to keep you safe, no matter what, this place I gave you as a gift to you, your ancestors and you, the same as I will do I did in Silo. And as for you, I am going to get rid of you, the same as I got rid of those old relatives of yours around Shiloh, your fellow Israelites in that former kingdom in the north. Whoa. Whew, you still with me? <laughs> uh, this is, I'm sure you'd agree, a very a very harsh word from Jeremiah the prophet. You know, where are we? Yeah, I think you'd agree it's, it's a pretty straight shooting message. That what they were doing was wrong. No wonder he was beaten after this some time later, put in a well, verbally abused, and spent quite a lot of time alone. It's not always popular to be a speaker of truth. And the tension here was that on the one hand, they had this Davidic promise that there'll always be a descendant of David on their throne. It was kind of like this get-out-of-jail-free card that they were keeping up their sleeve. It was like a sheriff's badge um, to a dodgy cop or it was like having the Terminator obey your every command, for those who've seen that. <laughs> Life was good only for those with the power that were rich and were well fed. But on the other hand, God's covenant with them was that his blessing on them was conditional on them keeping their side of the covenant made with their ancestors. On one hand, they've got this Davidic promise. On the other hand, there's the covenant they were breaking. You know, um, his blessing was conditional. 
You know, serving and worshipping the one true God. Social justice, helping the poor, caring for widows and sexual purity was their side of the deal. So it came down to the unconditional promise of a Davidic king versus the conditional covenant relationship of having just one true God. Their hard hearts rejected the call to repent from Jeremiah. Sadly, they did not repent of their ways. And you see, the reason they didn't was that to them, to them, Nehemiah was committing treason. It was just treason to suggest ruin and exile and that they should simply yield to God's judgment. You see, Jeremiah prophesied that an enemy from the north would carry them away unless they repented. That equated to treason. You see, the people preferred to listen to the false prophets who said, peace, peace, peace. We'll never be defeated. We are God's chosen ones. And besides, there'll always be a descendant of David on our throne here. So despite repeated calls for repentance in Jeremiah 3 verses 1 to Jeremiah 4 verses 4 and countless visual aids that God gave Jeremiah to show the people that invasion and captivity were inevitable, the people did not listen and the rest, as they say, was history. The temple was destroyed. The beautiful temple of Solomon and 70 years of captivity in Babylon followed you see the book of Jeremiah is basically a lawsuit where God puts Judah on trial and backs up the accusations through Jeremiah with facts Jeremiah was their last true prophet in Judah and he lived a lonely, difficult life, ending up in Egypt, but will be greatly honored through eternity, amen, for serving God faithfully in his calling for over 40 years. 40 years of ministry telling people they were going the wrong way. You know, in a way, in a way, this, the overconfident wrong belief system of the kings and leaders of Judah became like a pivot point of the Old Testament. You see, up to this time, they've been given grace and grace to change and constant reminders of God's faithfulness. But here's the pivot point where, in fact, the temple was destroyed. This beautiful temple that Solomon had built was in ruins. And it was never to be the same again. It was rebuilt different. But much changed, you know, and, and yet God wasn't finished with them. He wasn't finished with them because he keeps his promises. Amen. He kept his word that a descendant of David would be king, uh, would um, be a, on the throne of David forever and um, and Jesus became 
the fulfillment of that prophecy. Jesus became the King of kings and the Lord of lords, being a descendant of David when he went through Calvary and rose again. His name, which we've honoured this morning, his name is Jesus. And he is very much present throughout history in both Testaments. And that's the thread running through both Testaments. He's alive today and forevermore. Amen. So when God promises land, identity, and an inheritance to his people, he speaks of the seed of Abraham. The seed singular. Psalm 105 verse 6 says, O seed of Abraham, his servant. You see, the psalmist is speaking of Jesus. Jesus is the one true seed of Abraham. And yet, Jesus said in John 8, 52, 58, John 8, 58, before Abraham, I am. He was there before Abraham, but he chose to be a descendant of David in the natural, his natural inheritance came from David and became the king of kings forever, fulfilling God's promise that there'd always be a descendant of David on the throne. So Jesus' plan of redemption was concealed in the Old Testament and revealed in the New. You see, Abraham being prepared to kill his only son at Mount Moriah and Moses commanding that the blood of a perfect lamb be sprinkled over the doors in Egypt were just some of the many prophetic images of what was to happen at the appointed time on Calvary when Jesus himself would become the perfect sacrifice for all of the world's sin and brokenness. And in Isaiah 53, Jesus' death was prophesied over 700 years before it became a reality. It's awesome, isn't it? Prophecy fulfilled is one of the many ways God uses to confirm the majesty of his son and the authenticity of his plan of salvation to those who would bend the knee, even today. So, what about us? What about this thing that we believe, what we believe? <clears throat> Are we any different to the people of Jeremiah's day? Do we keep doing things we know to be wrong? Yes. Because we have, you know, we, we think we've got this wonderful get-out-of-jail-free card called grace. Are we any different? You see, like the people of Judah, we can easily say, peace, peace when we see injustice happening in our land. And I know that if the Lord brought a lawsuit against me, I'd be guilty as charged. So perhaps we need to look again at what we value the most. Because we always find time for the things that we value the most, right? So in order to change a person's value system, we need to challenge what they believe. 
So, good theology is very important. When we unpack the biblical narrative, we see the thread of God's plan of redemption for his lost creation stretching from Genesis to Revelation. He allows opposition, life's trials, and an enemy of our soul to test us in order to win over those who would not just believe but would stay faithful till the end. Knowing his will and obeying it is the key. Remember the old hymn, Trust and Obey? Knowing his will and obeying is really the key. You see, when we spend time in his word and in his presence, sin loses its power over us. If you feel a bit like Paul sometimes and you're saying, oh, the things I know I should do, I don't, and the things I know I should not do, I do, Oh, woe is me. Well, if you feel a lot like that, spend time in his presence. Spend time in his word and sin loses its power. It loses its attraction. Keep starving the old nature and it'll shrivel and die. Just starve it of what it wants. It's what fasting's all about. So, all these things we do now, we do not to be saved, but because we're saved. Amen? We don't do them to get saved. That's all been done on the cross. But we do these things, these justice, wanting justice for the world, help for the helpless, help for the poor, telling truth to people, telling of God's love and sharing the gospel. We do that not to get saved, but because we're saved. Knowledge is important. Prophecy is powerful. But unless we repent, become washed in the blood of the Passover lamb, die to sin and walk by faith in line with what we know to be true, then we, like the men of Judah, are salt that's lost its saltiness. Amen. It's... Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word in its fullness and in its power to convict, to challenge, to teach, and to inspire. And Lord, today maybe this has been a challenge for us to live according to what we know, to live up to what we believe, to go out and do the things because we love you, not because we're fearful. And so, Lord, we just pray over each of our lives, Lord, that we would die to that sin, die to that old self, know what is right and do it. We pray for those who may be listening on podcast or, or another, another means, Lord, that they would also receive the, the, the blessing that comes from obedience. There's always a blessing when we obey you, Lord. There's always a blessing when we have time with you, when we hang out with you, God. And so, Lord, teach us your will and your purpose for us. And God, as a church, we pray you'd lead us in the right direction and we'd discern your will and, and uh, continue to meet needs. 
in the Holy Spirit's power. So Father, Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the victory won, for the risen Christ and for the power of the Holy Spirit now to go and change this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.